All right, so we've teased this one on social media. You've seen it across the board. We talked about the puck off Lagerdale. We talked about the coffee porter on Saturday. If you were in the lives, you've seen these beers in person and me taste testing them. Absolutely delicious. So want to say a huge shout out to Boxing Rock Brewing for sending those over. But now they sent somebody in person to speak with. We're sitting down with Dan McKay tonight to talk about the Colorado Avalanche. You see it on his hat. You know, obviously we're least fans on this podcast. And then we're going to talk about the brew process as well. What goes into it, what he does, and obviously what inspired the puck off ale. I want to talk about this stuff. So let's get it rolling. What's going on, my friend? Welcome to Offside. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. Not a worry at all. So let's jump right into her here. What got you into wanting to brew? And for the other part of things, too, um, where's the passion come from as well? Uh, it's actually kind of a lucky coincidence. I, uh, I was living overseas in Australia for a few years. And I, uh, I, I happened to come back home and I needed a job. And my sister happened to work at the brewery just as an assistant. And lo and behold, the position opened up for me pretty quickly. And I've kind of learned everything on the fly ever since. So the passion, honestly, it, it just comes from, you know, doing it every day and realizing, you know, it's a really fun thing to do. It's, it's you know, every day is different. Every day is completely different. And that's kind of what makes it fun and exciting. Well, for sure. Well, the one that caught me off and, and I saw this in the store and I had to try it. I'm a big craft beer guy, so uh, I haven't been able to get out to the local breweries as of late to actually go pick things up. I usually travel around and do it, but I saw the puck off Lagerdale sitting on the shelf and I was like, oh, I'm a big hockey guy. I got to try this. So I try it, love it, put up the post. Obviously, everything starts happening. We start talking. Um, but for you, you know, the puck off Lagerdale for you guys, brewing that and all that stuff that goes into it how did that come about obviously the name everything like that obviously i know you don't have all the say in everything but obviously you're a part of brewing it and bringing things together big hockey guy yourself so what do you like about the puck off ale and all that stuff uh what i like about it firstly it's it's clean it's crisp you know it's sort of like a um a craft beer version of any of the domestic beers anyone drinks you know yep. you go to a sports bar you order a butter a keese this is kind of essentially our take on it um it came about you know we were talking about it like what what can we do how can we reach out how can we reach other people um i mean domestic beer is like i don't i don't know the exact numbers but it's a high percentage of yeah exactly it's a high percentage of um the beer drinkers in Nova Scotia drink, you know, the, the big ones, but geese, all that stuff. So there's obviously some untapped potential there. So why don't we try it ourselves? You know, uh, me and my co-brewer, Nick, um, he, he's head brewer at Boxing Rock. Um, we just sat down and said, Hey, like, wh- what do we want? We kind of figured out Emily came up with the recipe, one of our engineers and co-owners, and we've kind of gone from there. We've adapted it a little bit and made some changes, but I think it's right where you'd want it to be. It's clean, it's crisp, it's clear, and it tastes great. So very easily accessible for any beer drinker. No, it's definitely great, actually. Uh, my father-in-law, he's a, he's one of those guys you just talked about that likes domestic beers. And, you know, I, I've given him a few craft beers over the years and kind of gives me the weird look like, man, this ain't, this ain't the real beer that we drink. And I'm like, well, no, this is where beer is going. I gave him this one. He actually really, really liked it. He, he likened it. So it's like you said. He uh, actually compared it to Labatt Blue. He said, you know, that is a very comparable thing. And that's the one he likes to drink. So I was like, well, they're spot on the money. So you saying that really drove home what he said. Um, what made you guys want to focus kind of on, I guess, with the name hockey? Um, I, you know, we talked to Emily a little bit about it. She said they really wanted to tap into that market. 
Um, obviously, Nova Scotia is huge with hockey. Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, the Mooseheads, you name it. You know, it all goes into the, the name, you know. But for me as a hockey fan, grabbing that beer, it's great because you feel like you're you're sitting there and you're having something that's relatable to the game. So is that something you guys were, were going for, the relatability, you know, with the game and growing the game and, and then growing the uh, the beer around that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it, the time with hockey comes a lot from Emily being a hockey mom. And obviously, you know, her kids are playing hockey all the time. I'm a big hockey fan. So when she proposed, you know, let's kind of do it this way. I, absolutely. Like, that makes sense to me. And, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people out there that, you know, moms and dads and whatever that take their kids to hockey and, you know, I'm sure they all enjoy having a beer. Why can't we kind of focus on those guys? And like you said, it's, it's Nova Scotia, right? It's small town. It's, 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 it's craft. It's, it's, it's everything you kind of really want it to be for that whole thing. Um, I think the whole puck off thing, it, it, it kind of started as almost not a joke, but like kind of a joke with Emily's, yeah. uh, Emily's kid's father and he's British. And um, that's what he used to think a face off was called when he first you know came to Canada. So when you get a cool name like that and you see that, you know, there's probably a lot of people we could kind of reach out with, with just, you know, branding it via hockey, for example. And I mean, this time of year, like you said, it's, it's a nice, you sit on the coach, it's, you can have three or four of them, watch a hockey game, whatever, or you go to a sports bar. I think it just fits perfectly. And, you know, couldn't ask for much more, to be honest with you. Now you talked about the taste and obviously having it kind of dialed in right now, what it is and, and how it's going. Do you foresee, or have you heard from anyone that maybe this needs to be tweaked or that needs to be tweaked. And with recipes in general, are you guys always constantly actively, you know, adding, changing, you're trying to make it taste better differently or just to your own taste? Cause I mean, for us drinking it, we expect that's just the way that it is. That's the way that it tastes. And obviously the puck off for me, delicious, the coffee porter, absolutely good. This weekend I'm cracking into some Vicar cross. So, you know, I'm trying all these different ones, but for you guys, is it constantly an evolution and changing things and what you hear and what you don't, or once the recipe set, you guys kind of leave it where it's at? No, absolutely. It's a constantly evolving things like every batch, you know, we want to make them scientifically as exact and precise as possible, but things happen, right? Like 90% of our job is cleaning and sanitizing. So, you know, that's a huge portion and small little mistakes can do that or can affect those things. But we try to keep, you know, right to the point, but with this beer in particular, I can say, you know, we've made some slight adjustments, made it a little more crafty. It's not just, you know, some grain and some water and here you go. You know, we've, we've, we've adjusted sort of, you know, the mouthfeel of the beer. So it's a little bit easier to drink when you pull it as a pie, you know, there's a little bit more aroma to it. It's not just a bland beer that's in a can that's for hockey, right? We try yeah. to still put that craft spin on it a little bit. So uh, yeah, right now I'd say, like you said, it is, it is pretty good. And it always does with the other beers. Of course, we're always changing, especially the hoppier beers. I mean, you can always add, adjust hops, you know, add them to different times of your boil to get different bitternesses. It's such a scientific process that I even didn't really, even really realize five years ago when I started this, but yeah, it's, it's always evolving. And that's kind of the fun of it. Like I said, every day is not the same and that's what makes it fun. You kind of roll with the punches and try to produce, produce the best beer you can. Well, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And that's the way it should be, obviously, experimenting and trying new things and coming up with new recipes, too. And, Absolutely. you know, getting something new and tasty to drink. The next one I want to talk to you about right quick, too, is the uh, the coffee porter. Uh, I tried that on the weekend. And, you know, I didn't look down at the uh, the percentage uh, of that one. So I was drinking it. And I, I was, I was what, I think three or four puck off in at that point. 
And I, I jumped to the porter to do the taste test and enjoy that one. Um, didn't realize it was 7.3%. So a little bit more of a, an uptick. And by the end of that one, I was pretty happy about it, to be honest. But um, I'm a huge coffee beer guy. I search it out. I look everywhere for it. Um, so when I was talking to Emily about it and she said, oh, hey, we have this one. We'll send some over. Um, I want to know from you, like you like the coffee beer too, is from what I'm told anyway. Um, what draws you to coffee beer? And is this the only one that you guys are going to make or is there more coming with the coffee flavor? Yeah. Um, so funnily enough, I was thinking about this today, you know, in preparation to talk to you. Uh, it's just, you know, sheer luck that it's also one of my favorite, my second favorite beer that we produce. But I always liken uh, craft beer to coffee in general, because, you know, everyone has a different taste in coffee. There's, you yeah. know, even just at Tim Hortons, how many different versions of a coffee can you order? And everyone has a different one. It's the same thing with craft beer, right? You're not going to love every beer, but you can, you know, appreciate what's going on in each one of those beers and pick up some flavors and stuff like that. So I think just naturally there are two things that are very similar. Even you brew both of them, for example, right? Like you brew coffee, you brew beer, but, um, it's one of those things that they're very close together, I think, just in general. But for some reason, that, you know, when you put the two together, me personally, I think it's just the perfect marriage of two kind of, you know, combinations of things. You get the strong coffee and the bitterness in there from the beer, um, a little bit of sweetness on the top of it. Um, yeah, it's it just I love coffee. I love beer. So it's, it seems like a great idea. Um, I'm not sure who actually came up with the idea of doing it originally. It was probably Emily or Henry. but again one of my favorite beers as for the future uh we had a beer that we we did in a small batch in our in our test kitchen in the city um at right around the local source area on agricola there um it was called inverse and i thought that was a really cool beer uh logistically i don't know if we're going to do it again so I, sh I shouldn't talk about it too too much here but uh it was it was a it was it was a beer that looked identical to this you know puck off crystal clear and you know not much haze to it but it was the most coffee, you know, intense beer that I've, I've had in a long time. And it was just amazing. Um, coffee Porter, uh, luckily for us, it's, it's got a base beer to it that we add coffee to. So it's a little bit easier to create that on a large scale as opposed yeah. to something like inverse that, you know, just the cost alone to produce a giant batch of that to, you know, send to the liquor stores um, could be quite costly. So for now we have to go with the coffee porter. Um, but it's, it's actually the base beer was a beer we had called tan toaster, which was the Baltic Porter. Um, okay. Which funnily enough is, um, you know, you hear Porter, you think of it, you know, like kind of a dark and, deep and heavy winter beer kind of thing you know yep. um it's uh it's actually a, a cold fermented beer so it's very similar to puck off and that's where you get the clarity and puck off and the, the clean the crispness it's it's fermented the yeast is cold it wants to huddle together so this that was a porter that was very similar it's very smooth and not a typical porter so to put something in it like coffee beans obviously you know there's all that room for all that flavor to go because it's sort of a thin crisp clean beer so i think that's what really brings out the coffee and coffee porter and what makes it so great sorry is you know and we use um there i believe it's from uh a, a local i can't remember off the top of my head sorry it's uh, one of the local coffee places that we actually get our beans from and okay yeah yeah so we, we, we try to do everything local as we can a lot of our beers you know we have blueberries or cranberries and some of our sours they're all you know um sources locally as possible obviously with some limitations so it's just another cool little part of each of the beers we do 
Well, no, going local, obviously being a local company and supporting local yourselves, that's absolutely huge. Um, now you got me wanting this inverse beer from, from you guys. I want to try that coffee one. You're talking about how good it is. Maybe that could be a, a special summer, hey, small batch brew on the, you know, down at the waterfront or something from Boxing Rock. And uh, I'll have to keep texting you and, and putting the gears to M2 to see if maybe something can come of that because obviously coffee beer around here is there's not a lot of it. Um, you know, everybody seems to have one, but it's such a limited run. Uh, when they do it and like you just said i mean maybe it's the cost factor and there may not be a huge market of coffee beer fans i know everybody that i talk to when i say i'm I'm excited to drink the coffee beer gives me the eyes like what are you talking about you know but again it goes back to appreciating craft beer and i mean for me I, i love traveling around when we didn't have the pandemic going on with my growler and just going to different places and trying different beers and trying them all out and enjoying everything. Now you kind of have to, you know, I guess take a shot in the dark and go grab a a case of something and hope that it's good because you can't no longer really just go get a taster or anything like that from anywhere around here. Anyways, I don't know if it's different down Shelburne way, but um, yeah, that used to be the fun of it. You get to taste everything and see everything. And, you know, like I said, fill up your growler. I mean, if, that inverse was available, I would have filled up 10 growlers and probably yeah. kept it, drank it all. Cause I, like I said, I'm huge, huge on the coffee beer. Um, the keys one that they have out, um, I know they brew it here, but it's not exactly, I don't know. It doesn't have the same pop, same flavor that I'm looking for, um, mm-hmm. for you guys. Like I said, I drank it on the weekend. Absolutely loved it. Uh, had everybody in the chat wanting some, so it was, it was a really good time, really fun time. Um, so going into, to what you do on a day-to-day basis, um you look at brewing these two beers here is there another one that comes in third or one that you guys may be working on that you know really whets the appetite and you're like this is something that's going to be fun and huge or is it just one that's just a regular favorite that you like going into too yeah I, you know again like i said it's completely dependent on taste and i could i could probably tell you every beer but just off the top of my head um like you said earlier the vickers uh, the vickers cross story that's, you know, it's been a staple since I've been there for five years now. It's, we, we've always got multiple batches of it on the go. It's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very hefty. It's very potent beer. It's a double IPA. So it's got that high alcohol content and you might yeah. want to be careful on your intake of it. Um, stand up periodically I'm going to make sure. that one my, uh, my first beer Saturday night when I do the taste test on the live. I'm going to make sure that's what, the yeah. one. It's what I tell everyone. You always, always start with it at least. It's not a good one to finish on because you, you might have a bad evening afterwards. But yeah, that's always a good staple. And I mean, like our hunky dory, um, we know we, we, we always push our hunky dory because it sort of is, you know, like the flagship brand or the flagship beer for um, Boxing Rock. And um, I've always loved that one as well. Um, coming up, um, we, we do have one now. It's a, it's a stout. It's our Patricius. Um, it's kind of the ode to St. Patrick, St. Patrick's Day kind of thing. So, you know, it's a okay. nice, nice winter beer. Um, we, you know, we've, we've been fortunate enough to, you know, it's, it's, it's selling pretty well. It's doing pretty good. So it seems like a lot of people are really enjoying it right now. So I'd say that's probably the, the one currently that I would be um, picking up. Nice. Nice. So for you guys coming up, obviously the holidays, a uh, big season for you know, craft brewing for everyone local, obviously, um are you guys going to be brewing right through the holidays do you guys shut down what's the situation there for you guys yeah so it's kind of dependent on the the liquor store and they kind of do a little bit of a shutdown around christmas so we do kind of slow down a little bit but slowing down is you know getting a bunch of beer ready just so it can ferment over a month to just have it ready for the start of the new year so 
it's slower yes but not as slow as you probably would think and you know a lot of other stuff we have to do in the brewery and inventory and stuff like that so that kind of keeps us busy over this next month or so but we'll probably go yeah till the 23rd or 24th you know take three or four days off and then just kind of ease back into it it's usually what we do so all right makes the holidays you know you're still work at work but they're not hard days so it makes it a little more manageable for sure well i mean when you're brewing some of the best beer going on i don't think it's a big problem either Lots yeah, of well, on people's faces, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's exactly it. And that's why you do it, right? It's, you're making something that hopefully somebody else will enjoy and, you know, will continue to enjoy. So that's the goal. Well, I want to know how many beer you had to enjoy to get over the, the loss last week. We'll switch gears now. We'll go from beer to hockey because hockey and beer go so great together. Shout out to the puck off Lagerdale, obviously. It fits right in with what we're about to talk about. Um, so you're a Colorado Avalanche fan. Uh, everything was coming together to talk last week. Obviously, we couldn't get that down. Um, but now you've had some time to digest what happened in that game. I want to ask you, you watched Toronto come out and play that game. I know that your starting goaltender did get hurt. Nate McKinnon just coming back off of uh, an injury. Uh, but the Leafs were coming back off that West Coast swing. Obviously, your body clock's got to adjust too. So it was set up more for the Leafs to have that loss kind of handed to them. And I really thought they were going to, obviously, you know, the old adage for the Maple Leafs when old players come back to play them, they score on them, they light them up. So it always ends up being a problem um, for you. You watch that game. What did you think a of the Leafs and B what do you think so far? Nazem Kadri on your uh, Colorado avalanche this season? Yeah. Um, well, I guess like anywhere else in Nova Scotia, I, I get a lot of Leafs talk and, you know, social media and stuff. And my, uh, my fiance's father. So my future father-in-law is actually an Ontarian moved to Nova Scotia, diehard Leafs fan as well. So yeah, exactly. Um, so I, not that I haven't really followed Toronto this season or other seasons, but probably not as much as I'd like to. Um, so it, it was good to see them. And, you know, I, it's kind of cliche at this point where it's, this is our year with Toronto, right? Like, so this is our year, we got the piece and it, you know, you, you hear it, you constantly hear it. And, I kind of almost went into that game thinking that not really paying attention to them. I know they were kind of doing well, but I, I really like your guys' goalie. Uh, Campbell. Like, How can you uh, not like Soupy? Big smile it, on his face. Yeah. It, even personality aside, if you just took him as a, just a goaltender, like he's the sweetest dude, it seems like in the media, which just makes him even yeah. more endearing to everybody. But like, I honestly think, and you know, maybe I'm a homer, but I, I think if he switched the goalies in that game, I think the score is switched. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. I, That's why I say with Kemper not being, in yeah. And it's it's an unfortunate thing with Colorado right now. It's like you know, third string goalie that we've gotten from Buffalo that you know you only want him in there maybe one or two games, right? And he's yeah. backed up by an emergency backup, and then you get a twenty one year old kid coming flying from Colorado to possibly play, play on a back to back, and it's. Every year, it seems like with Colorado, these last few, especially where we've been a kind of a contender, it's it's the goalies, right? Like, you know, Grubauer would, you know, he'd give us some good nights, but then he just has some atrocious nights. I don't know if Darcy Kemper would have made that game any better, but it, it he I hate to hurt, say, that's for sure. no, that's true. It probably wouldn't have been any worse, but uh, I really felt like they were going to come back there. I think it was in the second when, you know, at the, the end of the first, I saw that they got that last second goal. I was yeah, like, it was okay, three, that's I something. think it was 3-1 or whatever. They, they got it like yeah. the last minute of play. And I think they got another one kind of fairly early in the second there. And I was like, okay, this is, this is something, but it's, it's, it was that one or two shots that, you know, maybe Johansson, you know, he did his best, obviously he's, he's, he's great for what he, you know, we've got him signed for, but yeah, 
I feel like if he makes a couple of those saves, you, like I said before, though, you know, that game's completely different. So I, I wasn't too worried. I'm not too upset about it. I know there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Uh, so for that part of it, I'm okay with it. As for Toronto, I honestly think you guys have a really good team this year. And hopefully, you know, I know Mariner kind of has something going on now. Hopefully that's not a long-term thing, but uh, I, I, is it four weeks? Okay. Well, so yeah, that's not great, but not horrendous. No. Um, but uh, what I've noticed a lot about Toronto and in, in, in watching them in recent years is especially where you guys, you didn't rebuild, you retooled over the last couple of years. Um, I think, there's not many teams that could say they're so comparable to each other that Colorado and Toronto are, you know, high skill, high speed, a competent defense, competent goalies on both sides. It seems like, you know, um, really good power plays. Like they're very comparable teams. Yep. So I, I really like where Toronto's going right now. And that kind of pains me to say, but I, I really, I really do. Um, as for Kadri, um, unfortunately I love him I, I've always yeah. loved him you know like you take the good with the bad with him Gabe Landeskog is the captain of my favorite team and you know he, if I'm going to defend Landeskog I have to defend Kadri and I, I yeah. think they're both great players and they're just put in bad situations sometimes but unfortunately I think Kadri's playing himself out of Colorado right now um, unless he takes a real sweetheart of a deal to keep that team together yeah and you know McKinnon potentially he said whether he does it or not he might take one as well and I mean, Makar's contract was, it's still eight and a half million, but I mean, I feel like he could have went for 10, but I think they're all kind of on that same page. I yep. just hope the money will work. Um, I'd love to have Kadri as a second line center. You can see what he's doing right now. He's what, third, fourth in league scoring right now? Yep. Right up there. Without McKinnon for 90% of that, you know, on the power play, um, he's playing with Val Nichushkin and uh, Andre Burakovsky. We're yeah. no slouches. Val Nichushkin might be my favorite player this year, to be honest with you, just the way he's been playing. But Burakovsky, you know, he can score, but he's, he, he doesn't have absolute studs with him on that second line. He has friends. No, he's, line, he's making bringers. the line go himself. He's driving that line. Absolutely. And I tell you what, on the power play where they have him, you know, as a least fan, you know, this pick your poison. Do you want McCarr to score? Do you want McKinnon to score? And if, they're firing at the net and Rantanen's on the other side with that one timer, you know, there's a high chance that Landis Cocker Kadri are going to clean something up or tip something in front of the net. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of been the MO for Colorado this year. It seems like when they're really firing, they're firing shots and that's what's happening. It's not, it's not the, you know, the perfect, beautiful goal. So I, I like the way kadri has been playing. He seems to be playing more of a pass first this year, even though he's got like a 10 or 11 goals, Yep. A lot of two-on-ones, he's, he's, he's going for the pass, you know, and it seems like every time he does it, Njushkin or Burakovsky or whoever it is, is they're just putting it in because that's what they're there for. So love him. Hopefully he stays in Colorado. If not, I again, this will sound bad, but I'm not too worried. I do like the depth that Colorado has kind of at the center position with without some of the injuries right now um obviously he young be, guys coming up too like alex newhook and stuff like that that'll yeah definitely fill yeah. in that, that void too if kadri does walk and we had adrian dater on last week too he's a big colorado avalanche reporter and yeah he's talking about the fact that you're just like you said kadri's kind of playing himself out of town having such a great season and he said but are you shocked it's contract year the guy wants to get paid this is probably his last chance to get paid Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we joked around with data and said, Hey, is he going to come back to Toronto? Uh, he said he wouldn't be surprised maybe at the very tail end of his career, if he does end up in Toronto for a little bit. Um, but from what all he's heard, Kadri loves it in Colorado, loves playing with everybody also kind of likes it's a little bit quieter 
than playing in a media market like Toronto, where you're the sole focus most of the year when it comes to, you know, anything going on. So he, he gets to play his game. The thing I want to ask you about Kadri, though, he's kind of not has a reputation, but it just seems like the refs really like to give him the gears. Um, and if you look back at his career when he was with the Leafs, before this started happening, he actually was a guy that would draw, just like Michael Bunting is right now in Toronto, would draw a lot of penalties against the opposing team. But as soon as he started doing this to the refs about penalties, it's when it seemed like the reverse happened. Now everything's called on him. Even last year, I think he got, what did he, who's he, five-minute major or 10-minute misconduct or something for barking or, or just chirping yeah. or whatever. And he's like, now I'm getting penalties for talking. He's like, you know, so I'm wondering for you, do you guys see that too? Because I, I watch, you know, the cadre highlights and things like that. I'm like, some of the things that go against him, I'm like, if that was anybody else, I don't think it would be the same discipline happening there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like, I, I listened to some of your interview with data it was really good, by the way. It's um, I always like listening to what some of the uh, as beat reporters have to say um, and stuff like that. But uh on on the altitude broadcast that I watch, which is the uh, you know the home broadcast for the Avalanche, they always jokingly say, and I've been saying it as well in tandem with them, is is can we track how many times Kadri gets thrown out of the faceoff? Yeah. Um, and can we find out how many of them? You know, okay, you know he maybe he's you know infringing here or there. Absolutely, throw him out. Get the next guy in. But sometimes they just throw him out in an important offensive zone faceoff, and you have a winger taking it all of a sudden. So, I, you know, it's, it seems like that's the way it goes with them. Unfortunately, like I said, the good with the bad, that's sort of yeah. the bad, what I'm talking about, obviously the suspensions and stuff like that as well, but that's sort of the bad. Yeah. Um, it's as a team as a whole, I think it's more problematic for Colorado and, you know, Kadri and Landis are kind of the focal points of it, yep. but um, you, you might see it a lot with Toronto's games, these high skill, high speed teams they take a lot more penalties for embellishment or they get thrown out more because they're, they're chirping or they're complaining. But in reality, it's because when it comes, you know, the end of the year playoff time, they outskill and they outspeed guys and they get tripped or they get, you know, there's clear penalties against them. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then they don't get the power play, which their team's built around. Like they're built around the skill of drawing penalties. Like that is an art, uh, you know, what anyone want to say, if you can draw penalties and Kadri can, and, you know, McKinnon can, all these guys with speed, they draw their, the penalties, but when they're not getting called just because of game management or whatever it happens to be, and then they go and lose and they say, well, what do we do differently? Well, maybe I shouldn't have been hooked. Maybe I shouldn't have been, you know what I mean? Like, and it, it's well, just I'll so frustrating. Right now we, we talk about skilled players and penalties. Matthews has not drawn a single penalty this yeah. year. That's cr- yeah. That's crazy. You look at Austin Matthews and you look at the other night. I don't know if you've seen the, the highlight of Pierre Dubois absolutely ragdolling him and dragging him around the ice until the fact he finally has to respond while the ref is standing right there and they both get a penalty. I, I My mind was blown. I was like, what did Matthews do? He had to respond. The guy's exactly. Rubbing his face in the ice, but he hasn't drawn a penalty this season. And you, you talk about high school guys. Look at McKinnon last year in the playoffs. There was no, or not McKinnon, um, McDavid didn't yeah. draw any penalties either in Not the so playoffs, bad. you know, and the lead, the league's like, Oh, we we're building it around skill. We want our skilled players to, uh, to excel. Well, if you want them to excel, you have to call it like it's supposed to be called, you know, during the regular season and in the postseason. And I guess now, I mean, cause Matthews, you know, he obviously in Colorado, I think it was famously did the goal call, you know, insulting mm-hmm. the referee basically because they took back his one goal. 
yep. you know, so now you wonder, is, is he under the microscope and kind of like Kadri and kind of like Landis Cog, you know, it just seems like the star players that have the, um, the guts, the fortitude to say something against the referees end up being the ones that kind of get punished. And then the NHL comes out and says, well, no, no, no. We want our star players to do well. We want them to excel, but it doesn't seem to happen that way at all. Yeah, exactly. And has that not been the knock, you know, as, is, is a Nova Scotian with Sidney Crosby. I know there's a love-hate relationship for him. I love him. I think, you know, I love he's one of the greatest hockey players ever. But, like, every, you know, they, they've called him a crybaby for years. But all he's really doing is saying, hey, like, that's, you, that's, that is a penalty. Like, call the penalty, right? Like, we are built to, you know, we're, we train, we, we compete, that if you're going to do something illegal, we should benefit from that. So, yeah, I think it's more of a, of a problem as a whole and really think that, high skill, high speed teams are suffering because of it. And yep. I think if you look back at the Western conference for the last three or so years, it's kind of become a meme, you know, second round Colorado, much like the Leafs in the first round. If you look back at who, who, who they, you know, who they've ran into, well, Vegas, well, what did Vegas do to Colorado last year? Yeah. The exact same thing. They, they just pummeled them and penalties weren't being called the year, you know, years before that San Jose, the exact same thing pummeled game seven game six game seven so it's one of those things that i always wonder and it kind of frustrates me like imagine if we'd have those extra power plays or two a game in the playoffs do you think colorado wouldn't have won a cup by now i i personally believe they would have and i'm sure toronto would have gone much much farther with a lot of these calls oh yeah well with the power plays for sure and look i I have no ill will against colorado actual second favorite team would probably be them or uh I know I'll get a lot of flack for this one, but the Philadelphia Flyers, mm-hmm. um, I like both those squads. Um, obviously, I like Philly because of Rick Tockett back in the day. But I love Colorado for the longest period of time because obviously guys like Peter Forsberg, Joe Sackett, uh, you go back to Ray Bork, you look at all the different players that are on that team and when they won the cup, Rob Blake, you know, I, I have a fond memory of that and I loved it. And I love watching the new guys come in. Also love the fact, you know, Solani and Korea came, in, you know, $1 million deals each. To go play with the Colorado Avalanche to play together. Those things are cool, right? So, and then Patrick Waugh, ice in his veins, obviously, everything going on with the Avalanche there, too. Then came back as the coach. What's not to like about the Avalanche? And I want to see Kadri win the cup, maybe not before Toronto, but I definitely want to see him win the cup. And, you know, I think he has a real good opportunity and uh, a real good spot with the Colorado Avalanche. And I look at uh, guys like Nate McKinnon. You obviously want to see a good Cole Harbor boy, good Nova Scotia boy win again. And it seems like the Colorado Avalanche are really dipping into the Maritimes anyways within their roster. A lot of different players. Obviously, they lost Graves to New Jersey in a trade, but they definitely have a lot of uh, Maritime flair in there. And uh, maybe they should be the uh, the Boxing Rock team. I don't know. Uh, I think unofficially they might have to be. Maybe, you know. <laughs> probably the biggest hockey fan at boxing rock i think they're unofficially they must be but um yeah colorado like you said and, and you have new hook who's from from newfoundland justin yeah. Barron was just drafted or the mooseheads captain of the mooseheads from nova scotia ryan graves like you said there's yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of hard not this year for them and I, surprisingly i i see a, a fair bit of evs gear out in the wilds you know when i'm you know in halifax or in other places so it's good to see that it's not just the same no offense you know habs and leafs jerseys everywhere but it is i think if if you're a nova scotian and you're really looking for a team to cheer for uh with some sentimentality to nova scotia more than more than uh enough uh nova scotians have been on that colorado team or ex-mooseheads for that matter have been on that Colorado oh, team. Definitely. So, yeah. 
but there's nothing wrong with cheering with Colorado. And you will yeah. say this, when I moved here in 03 from Toronto, um, to find another Toronto fan was a hard thing to do. Um, and then when they went on that losing streak for the longest period of time, I felt like a lone ranger because I didn't see any Toronto gear. It's all Boston and Montreal out here. Um, a few New York Rangers fans sprinkled in Colorado fans. Um, you know, when Winnipeg came back, obviously they were the big push too, but now that Toronto's finally doing okay, I can, I can see other people wearing their gear. They feel okay to wear it out in public again without getting ridiculed. So yeah, man, it's fun. I mean, obviously Nova Scotia is kind of known for, for two real things and that's, uh, you know, hockey and brewing good beer. And, you know, we got a good combination going with you, obviously, and the team over at Boxing Rock brewing great beer. The puck off Lagerdale is going to be great to celebrate the season with. Hopefully either you or me get to celebrate our team, you know, hoisting the cup. And obviously there'll have to be pictures of the puck off Lagerdale beside the Stanley Cup because of what it represents if Colorado wins it. And that's definitely got to happen. I can, I can see it happening. Why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I got, I got to work some magic. I got, I got to, I had to start messaging some people and figure out how we can get, you know, some puck off up near the Stanley cup when it comes back eventually to Nova Scotia. So <laughs> hey, I'll put it out here first. I think that Colorado will win the cup before the Leafs do, um, you know, a guy like Nathan McKinnon, that guy just drives and doesn't want to quit. The only knock that I have for Mac for the Colorado avalanche is sometimes he tries to do too much on his own. He's got to realize he's got a good supporting cast around him. Guys like Kale McCarr, guys like Gabe Landis, called Kadri, and you talked about Nutution and Burkowski, everybody down the lineup, right? So let's hope they can win the cup. Um, let's hope it's Leafs, Avs during the cup. They'll have to have you back on, or we'll have to have some sort of viewing party and uh, just celebrate the right way. For sure, man. That would be awesome. I think. All right. Well, be, I want to yeah. thank you very much for taking the time, jumping on. Thank you for brewing tasty beer. Make sure everyone get out and get your. Boxing Rock, Puck Off, Lagerdale. Make sure you get your coffee porter as well. You can see it on the screen. Everybody's got it. Absolutely delicious. Check out Boxing Rock. Amazing people over there. Can't wait to have Daniel back on. Maybe later in the season, see where his uh, abs are at. But, sir, thank you for brewing good beer and cheering for a good hockey team. Thank you for drinking good beer and cheering for an okay hockey team. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> no problem. This has been Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.